my side being in darkness. Um, are there any apologies that uh, we received? Let me just switch off the the again the 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 the, the video so that I can reinforce the network. At least uh, you will uh, have seen that I'm still myself. It's not just the voice. Uh, are there any apologies? Thank you, Chair. Um, Ayanda is also experiencing some load shedding in that area. Um, we haven't received any apologies, Chair, for this meeting. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I'm just... Um, yes, I think we we do um, to some one, at least I'm told we might one, two, three, four, five. Okay. No, no, no. We, we were sufficient to start with the meeting. Um, what we might have a problem until one member comes in is to, oh, no, no, no. We are, we are, yeah, no, no. no. Or even equal to that now. Um, having said so, done the the issue. Ari, can you flag the agenda? Um, we will have a briefing by um, Council for Geoscience, then Mintech. Uh, and then uh, those are the two. And then we'll have uh, discussions. Sanedi, uh, yes. Um, please don't should change us. But also you are not compelled to stick to that time as proposed. Like me, I didn't. Um straight to the point so that we can know what you are pleading. We can also know uh, where do you want to, to suggest how we could assist if we can, but at the same time, we can be able to deal with the real substantive issues that might be of interest to us. Can I give to the Council for Geoscience I've heard the voice, uh, maybe, oh no, sorry, sorry. Uh, I didn't check, uh, uh, you will take us through with your entities until the time allocated, otherwise you are not going beyond that time um, that is allocated uh, to yourselves. It means if you go back to the agenda, it's up to until quarter past seven, Ari. 20 past seven. Oh, 
I have given you even extra two minutes, Mamukamed. Um, if there is uh, the executive, anyone from the executive is present, my apologies, I couldn't see that. That uh, means if the minister or the DM, um, I didn't notice whether they are present. I've tried to go through the list that I see here. But uh, for now, let me give to the acting DG. Uh, thank you, uh, Honourable uh, Chairperson, Honourable Members, the DDGs and uh, our manage, uh, managers, we, as well as our CEOs, uh, in terms of, I think, CGS, Mintec and Sanedi, we are then going to request that they uh, do their presentations around their, their APP as well as their budgets and that they will do so within the, the time that has been allocated to, to them. I will then ask uh, uh, CGS to do their presentation uh, uh, for now. Thank you, C uh, Chairperson. Uh, uh, Honorable Chair of the PPC, Honorable Members of the PPC, Acting DG, chairpersons and executives of the DMRE entities. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my name is Humphrey Mate and I'm the chairperson of the CGS. I just want to introduce uh, Mr. Mabuza, the CEO and his team. Uh, but before I hand over to the CEO, let me just make uh, just a few remarks. Uh, firstly, uh, I want to state that uh, the CGS managed the COVID-19 pandemic uh, very well. Uh, although we had several positive cases, all associates recovered well uh, due, to the due to following the, the correct protocols. And we've had no fatalities. Mr. Mabuza and his team have managed uh, stakeholder relations very well, and the board is very proud uh, with their achievement in terms of engaging, uh, especially the Amakosi, the farmers, and the communities where we, we do our work. As a result, the CGS is now well known and, and is always contacted uh, to provide solutions uh, to geoscience challenges. Just before I hand over to, Ma, to Mr. Mabuz, I just want to mention uh, three uh, programs that the board is really excited about. Uh, in terms of our geoscience uh, technical program, I want to highlight firstly that the Northern Cape program uh, has delineated metals deemed to be critical uh, to the battery and electrovoltaic systems. Firstly, of particular interest are the base metal mineralization potential of sedimentary accelerative zinc and lead deposits of the Griqualand West area, and then the nickel copper cobalt style of mineralization in the Kennard area in the Northern Cape. Secondly, uh, is the expansion of the pegmatite belt and the delineation of the lithium and rare earth elements mineralization. Secondly, a great potential in the exploration of the Guiani greenstone belt, uh, particularly the recently conducted drilling 
which has confirmed the sulfide mineralization associated with gold and silver mineralization. Also, drilling has resulted in the, dead, in the identification of high water uh, aquifers that have been, uh, some of the boreholes drilled there will be donated to communities uh, for potable water. And then finally, uh, Chair, Honorable Chair, uh, the carbon capture utilization and storage program has gained considerable traction and is advancing very well. The World Bank, uh, which is funding the project, has expressed appreciation on the progress achieved. Uh, Honorable Chair and members of the Portfolio Committee, may I hand over to Mr. Mabuza. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair Dr. Mate. Uh, good evening, Chair, Honorable Lizipo, uh, Honorable Members. Uh, good evening, DG, DDGs, uh, officials present, uh, CEOs and uh, board members of entities. Uh, we'll run through a snapshot of this presentation in the time that is uh, allocated. Some of the slides I will run very, very quickly, um, Honorable Chair. Uh, these, these are really the slides that introduce uh, the Council for Geoscience, and I, I think it is uh, uh, reasonably known. But I thought in terms of our strategic focus, it's always good to start with the understanding of our vision, which is uh, to contribute towards delivery of a prosperous and a transformed society that is enabled by geoscience solutions. And you would see that in addition to some of the items that uh, Dr. Mate referred to, uh, the focus of the projects that we work on uh, in giving effect to the mandate as inscribed in legislation is precisely uh, to contribute towards uh, this uh, vision in the main. Uh, this, is, this is a slide that, I, uh, that we have presented uh, quite a number of times, but what it does is it articulates uh, the summary of, of, of our strategy, what is our focus, uh, area of delivery as it were, uh, it enlists our strategic outcomes and indicates the areas of implementation uh, of, of, our, of our strategy in the main. Che, uh, our strategy revolves around uh, what we call the integrated multidisciplinary geoscience mapping program, as it were. In the main, there are five fundamental uh, thematic areas uh, in which geoscience finds expression. And we have linked those to the National Development Plan imperatives, uh, as it were. And those are uh, geoscience for mineral and energy resources, uh, geoscience for infrastructure and land use, uh, geoscience for health, groundwater, and environment. And uh, there are aspects of geoscience innovation and the extent to which we become an instrument uh, for geoscience diplomacy in giving effect 
to the country's uh, foreign policy disposition, as it were. So um, the the plan for this year and the key outcomes that we envisage uh, to elaborate further on uh, those examples that uh, Dr. Mate had given us. And at the center of this um, presentation on the right-hand side, you'll see that at the center is geoscience, and these are the various thematic areas in which geoscience primarily finds expression. Of course, uh, primarily we lean towards the minerals and energy in line with our with our vote, as it were. So what are these outcomes? The outcomes that we envisage uh, is that South Africa becomes even more attractive, a destination of a, 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 a for investment in the exploration sector. And we envisage this by making available uh, more information as we, well, collecting information, processing that information and making it readily available uh, so that it can uh, increase the appetite of the investment community as it were. And in this regard, uh, we are looking at delineating mineralizing systems of copper prospects and nickel cobalt prospects, lithium prospects and gold prospects among uh, a much longer list uh, in, in the entire program. Uh, of course, when we're looking at the geosciences, uh, we also uh, interface with environmental systems and we characterize and, and map them uh, in line with our IMPP uh, program. And these include regional groundwater and regional environmental assessments. And uh, of course, taking into consideration the impact of climate change um, as we have recently uh, experienced in the KZN province. And um, uh, we look at the geohazards, uh, land use and risk management. Uh, these are other applications of geosciences as, as it were. And these are products and services uh, that uh, deliver actionable information on community safety, land use and infrastructure development which we do uh, in alignment with a range of stakeholders across government uh, and outside of government. Uh, it is our plan to develop and deliver a healthy pipeline of long-term innovative projects that are converted into tangible uh, deliverables, uh, as, as it were. And in particular, our greatest measure in this regard is the extent to which we have been able to contribute towards investment attraction in the exploration space. And all of these, in our view, is our contribution towards accelerated economic uh, reconstruction and recovery plan as articulated by the president. Uh, so the next couple of slides just provide a bit more details of each of the projects. Um, uh, our key strategic program uh, is divided into onshore and offshore mapping. Uh, when we started with the um, uh, offshore mapping, the country's coverage was marginally around 3%. And today we boast 
a coverage of 10.7%. And it is our intention at the end of this year uh, to have achieved 12% coverage uh, at a scale of one in 50,000. Now, uh, the incremental coverage at this scale uh, is already beginning to yield results in that it is beginning to provide more confidence on South Africa's geological information and the ready with which uh, this geoscientific information is made available uh, for critical decisions to be made, including the investment decision, as it were. On the offshore geoscience mapping, uh, we have concluded now a service level agreement with the Navy, and uh, that will uh, give us some access to uh, their limited uh, boats at this stage while uh, they are getting the, the main vessel. And that together with our own uh, research vessel uh, named after Mr. Nkosi will then help us to accelerate uh, our offshore mapping program. This is an a, a blue economy prospect for South Africa uh, that has not uh, been uh, utilized and exploited to the extent to which it can contribute optimally to the development mantra uh, that the country requires. And we're dedicating a lot of effort uh, and energy into accelerating this uh, marine mapping program uh, and uh, will continue to do so in the current year. Chair, we have isolated the base metals uh, mapping program. Uh, we, our fundamental research in geosciences indicates that uh, the base metal potential in this country, uh, it, it's, it's, it's hardly been touched. And it presents a wonderful opportunity uh, for as we, uh, we we map, we collect the information, we make it available so that uh, this information uh, will then begin to persuade uh, the investment community of this uh, potential that South Africa continues to have. Uh, it is our considered view uh, that these types of activities that we are embarking upon will have a profound effect on beginning uh, to uh, uh, persuade the investment community of the potential South Africa still has uh, to the contrary. And those activities include, albeit not limited to what is called the SEDEX style mineralization in the Namakoland area, the lithium rare earth elements, um, uh, uh, fluoride style mineralization in the Namakoland and the Bushveld complex, uh, the nickel copper cobalt style mineralization also in the Namakwaland as well as in Taba and Cizwa, uh, complex in the Eastern Cape and the rare earth uh, mineralization in coal seams. We are finding that uh, our coal or some of the coal fields uh, have elevated uh, concentrations of rare earth elements and we are testing to confirm uh, that to the, ex uh, the extent to which uh, these may be economic and the importance of rare earth elements in the new industries and the new sources of energy can never be understated. Uh, as we continue with the mapping project, 
uh, we have published the pegmatite map uh, in the Northern Cape that indicates the extent of the pegmatite, uh, the Orange River pegmatite belt. And um, uh, this, uh, this we have just published a few weeks ago. Uh, we would be taking it to the mining in Daba next week as a product that uh, the investment community can have a look at and see uh, the extent of their appetite uh, rejuvenated uh, with the products that the uh, government of South Africa is investing in and making available uh, to project those win-win uh, development as it were. With the precious metals project, uh, there are numerous areas uh, of hydrothermal gold mineralization that have been identified. The chairman has already indicated the Kiani Greenstold uh, Belt Project. Uh, we have already drilled one target, eight holes there. Uh, we are processing the data. Uh, it's looking positive and exciting. And um, uh, we, we certainly hope uh, that the outcomes will begin uh, to bring about necessary development in that poverty node, as it were. Uh, these are, this is the work that we are doing in, in Kiani. Uh, this is our own drill rig and our scientists and uh, technicians on the ground um, uh, as they drill, collect, and do preliminary assessments uh, of um, uh, uh, rock chips, uh, that are extracted from this drilling exercise. And uh, it, it, they, my team has really done a fantastic job. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, they've done a fantastic job in identifying uh, the sulfides that are generally associated uh, with the uh, gold mineralization in these types uh, of settings. Of course, more analysis will unravel and confirm the potential in this area. Um, in the just uh, transition uh, project, just energy transition uh, projects, uh, we've identified that geology uh, can also play its role uh, in contribution towards uh, the just transition. Uh, our map of a, a geothermal energy potential, uh, we've done it at a very high scale, We've identified numerous uh, targeted areas uh, of highest potential. Uh, we are seeing exciting results. It is still early days. And um, uh, as soon as those results emerge, uh, we would make sure that uh, our uh, shareholder department is duly informed of the outcomes of this geothermal energy prospect, as it were. The carbon capture, uh, project. I think the, the chair has already indicated the progress that has been made here. Safe to say that uh, the Mpumalanga government and the people of Mpumalanga broadly uh, have been exceptionally supportive. Our stakeholder engagement program uh, has made them under, understand the importance of this research. Uh, they are supportive to the extent uh, that a local municipality has ceded a piece of a municipal land uh, of five square kilometers uh, for the pilot uh, to, well, for the basin to be properly characterized first. And if it passes that test, uh, for the pilot uh, to be installed there. 
uh, big ups to the Mpumalanga um, uh, community, as it were. While we were doing CCUS project, uh, we also identified the potential of gold uh, from the old uh, drill cores that are there. And uh, we, we think that uh, this demonstrates a possible extension of the Vets Basin. The Vets Basin being uh, that, that source of gold uh, that we have traditionally sourced uh, the product over the past 150 years. And co if confirmed, it then means that uh, the Vets Basin and, 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 and its uh, lucrative source, uh, as it were, will continue uh, for perhaps another century plus. Uh, on the Karoo drip, uh, deep drilling and, and envir geo-environmental baseline study, uh, the drilling was uh, seized at uh, marginally below 3,000 uh, meters. And uh, the samples were tested for gas, uh, primarily using South African uh, laboratories, uh, one in Nexa, another in CSIR, uh, and another private uh, laboratory. And uh, the last batch of samples were sent to Australia. Uh, we now have all the samples back and uh, we are finalizing uh, the technical report. Uh, it, it is looking positive um, uh, in terms of one, availability of gas, and two, uh, that the, the, the fundamental questions uh, that the public were concerned about uh, can then be responded to with scientific evidence, uh, as it were. Uh, we're also involved in the infrastructure and land use projects uh, to uh, assess the ground stability in various areas. I think this point uh, has been illuminated uh, quite substantively, uh, substantially with the uh, KZN and Eastern Cape uh, disaster. Uh, the importance of taking into account uh, ground stability as a consideration, as a serious consideration uh, before any infrastructure decisions uh, are made. And ours uh, comes in timely as we had started to engage with the district municipalities to give effect to the district development model, uh, as it were. We've interacted with a number of district municipalities uh, uh, to this extent, and uh, all of them have been but more than welcoming. Uh, we have done a national geohazard uh, mapping exercise, which indicates uh, areas of high susceptibility of landslides and, and sinkholes, and it helps us to uh, give particular focus uh, uh, as, as it, it, it may be required. Um, I'm gonna run quickly. Uh, the Dolomite reports, we have reviewed uh, just under 5,000 reports in the Dolomitic terrains uh, since 2008, uh, in, in line with the legislative uh, requirements, as, as it were. And in the areas where these reviews have been undertaken, working together with the geotechnical uh, industry, as it were, and providing the oversight uh, 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 responsibility, technical oversight responsibility, we stand tall uh, and proud that uh, uh, infrastructure in those areas 
where we have undertaken these reviews has largely been protected. Uh, we <clears throat> are also undertaking the uh, probabilistic seismic uh, hazard analysis uh, on behalf of ESCOM in their pursuit uh, to extend the life of Kuberg nuclear power station. Uh, our part of that uh, exercise, uh, our technocrats uh, have their boots on the ground and uh, we are very uh, 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 confident that the outcomes of their uh, uh, of our research in this regard uh, will go a long way in considering uh, the application for Kuberg and providing the necessary public trust uh, that that extension would have duly considered uh, the possibilities of a disaster and its ramifications. Uh, we have looked at the uh, uh, aggregate mapping, uh, particularly as an input for construction material for infrastructure development. We have designed this in line with the uh, strategic infrastructure program of the country, and uh, we have we have not we have just concluded the report now. Uh, our intention is that this report can be used to primarily lift the livelihood uh, of those people in the corridor for infrastructure development uh, in the main. It is our intention to undertake that exercise in the shortest possible term. We also have partnership with the Housing Development Agency in the Hutong uh, Ground Stability Risk Assessment Work, uh, as well as uh, providing technical support to the Free State Department of Human Settlement uh, in the housing development geotechnical investigations. Uh, Chair, I'm mindful of, of the time. I want to run uh, to the financials so that the CFO can take us through the financials. Uh, Dr. Matsepe. Thank you, thank you, CEO, and good evening, Honorable Chair and Honorable uh, PPC members uh, and everyone in attendance. Um, of course, the good work can only happen if there's the money to give it legs. Uh, we have got here our, our, I see this is the financial sustainable targets, targets that uh, that we have to look after to make sure that the the, the, the finances are, are, are used optimally. We've, we've got an, a target there for overhead, overheads and, and, and against total cost percentage. We are managing our overheads. We want them to drive them down. Uh, being in nature, the nature of an organization that we are, that we are a science institution, and there are, there are very, we are under a lot of regulatory uh, uh, requirements. To satisfy those, we need that, that, that there's a base of overheads that one has to, to make sure that they, 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 they have covered. However, they should remain contained. As well, we've got that uh, measure that, that, that seeks to reduce the, 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 the salary bill to, 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 to a lower uh, level, lower than 70%. Our NHL, our science is done by scientists. We, our engine is actually the brains, and that is the that which we look after. To say, uh, let's have personnel costs uh, that, that are uh, uh, maintained at less than 70% uh, of the total. Uh, uh. Now, uh, COIC, you're going uh, quite fast on the, on the other side. Uh, I'd rather we go to the budget itself uh, so that uh, uh, um, 
who can yes that that is that yeah. is that's the, the better yes you are on the right slide here. so um, we have we have received uh, with your support uh, members uh, members of PPC and uh, uh, honorable members we are happy to to actually appreciate that uh, your efforts in and us securing the 500 million rent that we need so desperately to accelerate the economic recovery program that we designed for the country uh, uh, to, to, has, has been realized. We are so grateful and uh, it's only that in this year in particular, we, we are up to in the planning. It's coming in in, in tranches of 200 million in the year 22, 23, 24 and in 2024, 25. And what the case that I'm putting forward for the CGS is, could we please uh, you to to sustain this this baseline grant allocation because our mandate is long term. The short term way of funding is not sustainable for the CGS. And uh, with with this kind of investment, we're definitely going to impact the, the exploration industry. Okay, uh, see. Oh, let's move on to the to the next slide. All right. Um, it, if you look, uh, we given the budget in, in in terms of the MTF as required by by PFMA for the next three years, beginning this year and the next the, the next uh, three years, and we've got the previous year as as a reference. But what what one would notice is that because of the nature of the short term funds that we used to receive, uh, there is a dip now because they have come to an end end in 2020 to 23. In this current year, we've got moving from 600 to 480. It's about 120 a, a million decline. And that is simply because of the model that used to be. But going forward with the 200, if you see that that highlighted 200 and 300 that I just talked about, and this is in the baseline, it reverts back to the 6 million uh, a, a mark. And we would want that maintained so that we can uh, really uh, go far with implementing our mapping program. On the on the cost side, already I've talk, spoken about the, the the personnel cost, which is the major part of the cost. Everything else that we do, we cut uh, our shed to the side of the cloth that we have. Uh, every cost there is well considered, given that uh, commercial uh, uh, revenue only be in, uh, generated if you put in, say, for instance, the fifty-five million that that we we put there therefore. And then the on the overheads and operating cost side. That is where uh, the, the big change has happened. Uh, we've got monies that were short-term MTF funds that are no longer there. Now, in this year, we, we're going to be in a very hard year where we're going to be you know, juggling funds there and there to survive. But at least it's the end of this kind of, of, of funding in that we are now going to be receiving uh, continuous funding in the baseline, as I've already said, in the years that come. Uh, forward to uh, to, uh, to obviate this stress as well to 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 lighten it up a bit. We have uh, also a, a, a collaborative revenue that we are looking to generating to augment to this that we've got. And some of the projects wouldn't be, some are being uh, 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 you know secured as we speak. We don't know what we don't what, to, but we've got quite a pipeline planned of of, of tenders issued out there commercially too secure more revenue. So we won't be uh, uh, retrenching stuff. We won't be doing anything that drastic. What we do is uh, do sound financial management so that we go through the year into the next year. 
Uh, we do invest in, uh, in in our equipment so that we've got the latest gadgets uh, as scientists should. Uh, in total, we, we spend the intended expenditure on the budget as 482 million for the current year. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, Chair, I think uh, the I, w- I will take the uh, rest of the slides uh, as read. Uh, our human resources uh, gives a breakdown of how we are performing and particularly investment uh, in the development of uh, uh, young people, uh, bursaries, uh, internships that we create uh, at the Council for Geoscience in the main and um, uh, I put up this slide, Chair, uh, to give uh, an indication of where the information we generate is used. And as you can see in that global map, uh, the information that we generate is used all over the world. And um, the graph at the bottom uh, right side uh, indicates the uh, uh, the types of articles and uh, uh, that that we put out and there's a lot of interest uh, that we receive from ordinary South Africans uh, to whom we are making this uh, information uh, available. This is the slide uh, that indicates what kinds of information uh, is required and and we give statistics from January 2020 uh, to March uh, 2022 and and uh, uh, I I am delighted. Uh, that South Africans are looking to the Council for Geoscience uh, for the information that uh, that uh, uh, that they require. Uh, perhaps lastly, Chair, is to say that uh, since the consolidation of the four geological surveys uh, uh, of, uh, uh, I can't remember what those things were called, uh, uh, in 19 uh, from 19 uh, in the 1890s uh, uh, they were consolidated to form the geological survey of south africa in in 1912 and so this year uh, will be celebrating 110 years of existence and we thought it fitting uh, that we have a major a series of events uh, that demonstrate uh, the value of geosciences to human development, uh, to the broader population of South Africa, taking into account uh, what has worked in the 110 years and what is still to be done uh, for this country for the next 110 years. Thank you very much, uh, uh, DG. <clears throat> Thank you, Chairperson. Um, we will then ask uh, Mintek uh, to do their presentation. Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Um, good evening. Good evening, Honorable Chairman and Honorable Members of the Committee. Um, this is Mintek. My name is Futi Zigalalam Belase, the interim chairman of the board of Mintek. And I'm here with uh, the team from Mintek, our chief 
executive officer and the chief financial officer in the main. Said to you this evening. Um, I am not going to go through um, the presentations in the interest of time, but also because they are here to do all the presentations. All I just want to remind the committee through you, Chairman, with your permission, is just that we are right now in the middle, really, of implementing our 10-year strategy, uh, which we're really proud of, and we think that it's going to take our council, our science council, our company, our entity, Mintech, to greater heights. And uh, we are busy doing that as well as just getting all kinds of, you know, really highly qualified, um, you know, um, scientists and really also investing in a number of young scientists that are coming through the pipeline who will carry through our strategy and the entity into the future. With those few words, um, Honorable Chairman and community members, I am going to hand over to the Chief Executive Officer, Dr. Molifi Mudugu. Dr. Mudugu. Oh, thanks, I was muted. Uh, thanks, Chairperson. Can we all see my presentation? Yes, I can see it, I'm sure. Thank can you, see Chairman. it, okay. I, I hope that the Honorable Chairman and members are, can see it as well. Okay. Thanks, Chairperson. Uh, uh, good evening, Honorable Members, uh, colleagues, from and officials from uh, our department, my colleagues from uh, Mentec, and uh, uh, sister uh, entities. I'll be brief on my presentation, just uh, at high level to just give an indication of uh, where we anticipate to end the year. And on the basis of that, then plan for 2022, 2023. I will focus on the outputs because we have spent uh, time discussing our activities and I'll just briefly touch on some of those key activities where we believe Mentec will move in it. Firstly, just to remind colleagues that uh, uh, first and foremost, the Mentec is a research and technology organization. We conduct research, whether relevant, applied, and technological innovation. And I'll talk to some of those programs and the outputs uh, related to, to that. Coming straight from our act, it is expected of Mintech to foster the establishment of new industries as well as uh, expanding existing industries. Of course, all that is done by our capable workforce. So uh, the chairperson indicated that uh, we have a new strategy, 20 strategy. At the core of the strategy is the development of a capable workforce. Then uh, we'll talk about the financials, but most importantly also we'll talk about the infrastructure that uh, we so need to conduct the research as well as developing technologies that we need to transfer to industry. Just quickly, the red just indicates uh, Main tech primary focus. Of course, 
we support the exploration activities and Tatema Buza, some of those samples, you need to bring them to Mintech. Uh, maybe, I don't understand, the ones that went to Australia, to learn a conversation that we need to have. But also, we support artisanal and small-scale mining activities. Uh, we just signed a, a contract with our own department to train 20 women in, uh, in mining. The red, this is where we have developed capabilities and competencies over the years. Concentration, this is basically supporting concentration plants. Extractive metallurgy, this is where we have capabilities and competencies in smelting, biometallurgy, and hydrometallurgy, of course, refining. Then we add value. This is where we talk about manufacturing. This is beneficiation activities at Mintech, and I'll touch on some of those. And the latest addition to our arsenal is creating capacity in the mine closure and rehabilitation. I'm reflecting, I'm bringing this slide to indicate that Mentec is a global player. We, we provide services to local mining industry, as well as the global players. And this is our footprint. These are areas where we have deployed some of our technologies, our instruments, equipment, as well as the services that we've provided. This is important because uh, uh, because of COVID, where there were restrictions on uh, local and international movements, this really curtailed our ability to earn income. But also, we could not travel to service our clients. Now, we use this as a basis for our plans for 2022-23. Uh, we use quarter for 2022 results, preliminary results, then to project and to model and to assume where we believe we'll end the year 2022-23-23. If I just project preliminary results 2021, 20, this is where unaudited results as we speak, if you look at learning and growth, and this is about uh, our people. Uh, if you ask me anytime uh, if there's anything that will keep me awake, Mintech's biggest asset is its employees, most specifically our researchers. And learning and growth talks to that. We have a staff complement of just over 500. 45% of that is our engine room, the boiler room. This is our researchers. What is worth noting, and this will be the, the middle column, 77 of that is black, 49 is female, 63% is black middle senior management. Now, we're investing a lot on our employees as we speak, when we started this journey, if you look at the SET, this is science, engineering, technology, this is basically our researchers, we're sitting at 25% of our set cohort having PhDs. When we started this process, 
we only had 5%. This was 2019. So this is a remarkable achievement in two years to move to change the profile. Also, we moved from around 7% to 22% of our set employees having master's degrees. Currently, uh, we have 13 of our employees studying towards doctoral degrees and 55. This is when we ended the year 2020-21. The financials, that's what it is. Uh, we are projecting a net profit of 25 million rand coming from a deficit of 53 million. So this is a remarkable achievement, but also on financial perspective, you can see the investment in human capital development, ACG sitting at around 9 million. But what we got also religiously is BE spent sitting at over 100%. The bottom one, this is our, out, this are our outputs on research, development, innovation. I'm not going to spend more time on that. Also because we have a capacity admitted to conduct COVID tests, we have tested more than 7,000, conducted 7,000 tests. And these are our own employees repeatedly. Myself, I've been tested more than 10 times at Mintech. This is an abuse chair. But also screening sitting close to 240,000. Now, the year under the 2022-23, these are our targets where we're going to guard religiously the female set and the learning and growth, increase that to 55%. And uh, thanks to Honorable Mathaule, when you visited Mintech, noting that Mintech is doing well to make sure that uh, the participation of uh, women in research, our core business, is taken care of. And we're going to guard that very religiously. If you look at our set PhDs, we're in modestly increasing that to 26%. We're modest on this because uh, we have uh, 15 of our employees studying towards doctoral degrees and 58 studying towards MSCs and honors. We, we cannot predict when they'll finish, but we, 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 we we anticipate that we're going to exceed this number. Just to give you an indication of uh, our competitors globally, we did a benchmarking exercise where we compared MinTech with similar research and technology organizations globally. Our competitors, if you just take KIST, is is an institute in South Korea. 85% of their set employees have doctoral degrees, 85%. Globally, this number sits at around 45%. And this is why now we talk about capacity within our institutions to carry out their mandates. At Mentor, we fall short. I'm the first one to accept that. Our target is for the next two to three years to up this number from 5% to 45%. Of course, we need to be financially sustainable. We project a modest uh, profit of 2 million. And uh, we we believe that uh, this 
will be uh, achieved. What is important for us, uh, we are starting to see that most of our employees have been targeted by industry. Our staff turnover sitting at 10%. Uh, we, we are implementing programs to make sure that we create a favorable environment for our researchers to stay at Nintec. The research and development and innovation, this is, these are our outputs, and I'll give more details uh, in the presentation. Just to mention a few uh, key challenges for us. If you look at the graph and you look at the, uh, the black line, 2017, major increase in what we received from the state, and it started to, to plateau. What it says to us is a major reliance on state funding. It is good in a sense that we can support research programs, but this is not sustainable. And our biggest worry is the red and, and, and the pink, where you have seen decline over the years, and this is income from the local private sector as well as international clients. We are working on reversing the trend. If you look at uh, the next picture, up to 2021, there's been a decline in local and private sector and international income, and uh, the plan is to reverse that. It's modest. We, we have taken into account that the, the mining and mineral sector is depressed at the moment, and we're looking at other sources of funding. If you look at uh, the, the engine room, and the focus should be on the red, SET. Historically, Mintech had more people in support, meaning you have more people in ancillary services like finance, HR, ICT, supporting very few people. The red, these are the people who are doing research that bring income to Mintech. It's unheard of in our environment that we have this lopsided development. So we've been hard at work to change the, the composition. You have your engine room, the red, been more prominent than support. Our peers, currently Mintech is sitting at 55% support. Our peers are sitting at between 15% and 30% because they embrace new technologies, they're highly automated, they're highly efficient. So we're putting in place new system and process to make sure that the, the engine room is prominent at Minter. Now, let me just flag this. I'm not going to go into greater detail on our uh, program. Mintech, we have more than uh, 100 projects. We just listed eight here. These are our strategic programs at Mintech as well as national programs. This is why we believe Mintech will move a needle. If you look at the first one, establishment of rare earth elements industry in South Africa, we have been at the forefront in championing conversations about the role of rare earth elements. Currently, if you look at uh, the debates between China and the US and some of the conflicts actually are centered around China dominating the production of rare earth elements. South Africa, we do have rare earth elements. We have had uh, 
Dr. Mabus are talking about this, and we're working very closely with him also on the exploration for rare earth elements. It's a conversation that is needed in South Africa. Uh, we recently hosted a, a, a workshop with potential role players in rare earth elements. And we're going to continue that conversation at the mining in Dava. And after the mining in Dava, we'll visit uh, one of the potential uh, 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 mining producers on rare earth elements, TM Scum Scrub. If you look at energy storage materials, minerals, and uh, these are enablers to just energy transition. You cannot talk about energy storage without talking about things like uh, vanadium, uh, copper, manganese, all the elements that we have in South Africa, including rare earth elements. PGMs feature very strongly on fuel cells or e-mobility, coal gasification. If we just take number one to number four, all these topics talks about energy. Whether the storage or generation, you cannot talk about wind turbines. The high capacitor magnets in wind turbines are rare earth elements. You cannot talk about battery materials without talking about vanadium, lithium, cobalt, some of the minerals that we have in South Africa, but some we have in Sada. If you look at the mining in Daba agenda this year, is dominated by energy storage or battery minerals. What it says to us, South Africa, we need to be talking more about strategic or energy minerals or what we call technology minerals. Now, if you go to number five, revival of ferro-alloy industry. Ferro-alloy industry, most of the smelters have been closed and mothballed. At the core of that, is the high electricity prices and un unreliable electricity supply. So number one to number five is all about energy. Revitalization of iron ore, well-established industry in South Africa, but still has potential for us to continue to exploit this uh, uh, valuable resource. The next one, number seven, unlocking the Bushfell complex. Now, we have known the Bushfall complex, and Ramabusa will come in here, is known for PGMs. Associated with that, if you go towards Limpopo, uh, the Bushfall complex has unique mineralogy where you have vanadium, titanium, and iron ore in the form of magnetite. The challenge is most of those miners they are looking for vanadium, but they cannot extract vanadium, titanium, and iron ore, the three minerals together. Most of them, even the main major one, Bushfeld minerals, the only uh, uh, process vanadium and they leave titanium and iron ore as uh, part of the waste. Mentech were championing and were investing here close to more than 150 million rand 
to establish capabilities, competencies to support industry to, to extract vanadium, titanium, and iron ore. And if we do that, we believe that we can add, in addition to the well-known PGM, Bushfall Complex, the vanadium, titanium, and iron ore. Of course, uh, uh, the portfolio uh, members have asked Mintech about our role in the health uh, platform. Our entry into the health platform is based on minerals. We develop medical diagnostics based on gold nanoparticles. And uh, this is an area where we are expanding on and uh, soon we'll be making announcements and we'll invite the portfolio committee uh, at the launch of this uh, magnific magnificent facility closely with industry on the production of uh, diagnostics kits as well as uh, other pharmaceutical related activities, of course, not taking away from our common date. I'm going to then move very quickly. If you look at uh, uh, our strategic objective on developing a capable workforce, these are our preliminary results. This will be column three, where we believe we'll end the year and the target for 2022-23. We're modestly very conservative to say we'll grow but if you look at the areas that we are focusing on, it's really the engine room. Our researchers with higher qualifications, doctoral, as well as uh, master's degrees. We did, of course, increase our re requirements. To be a researcher at Mintech, you need to possess a master's degree. Not just saying that we are putting resources to make sure that our employees who don't have the requisite qualifications are supported. If you look at our employee statistics, statistics, top management, highly transformed, senior management, highly transformed, and we're tapping into the resources available to us in the country. What is important to know, the engine room, these are skilled, technical, academically qualified, junior management and supervisors. There, we are tapping into all the resources available in the country. And this is our pipeline to our highly qualified researchers that we so desperately need. Scientific, all I'm indicating here that uh, for a while, Mintech has been in the decline in terms of our outputs. Uh, Mintech is expected to generate knowledge, to disseminate knowledge in a form of publications. These are journal articles, these are refereed conference papers, books, book chapters. We are turning the corner, as you can see, from 2019-20, we are starting to turn the corner. And this is primarily because of the highly skilled and qualified employees that uh, we've hired for the past two years. We've hired over 100 employees with experience and higher qualifications. Mabumtogo. Yeah. I know our Lord said that. Let's not load set the time. Can I give you two minutes to wrap up okay. so that we give sanity? Okay. I'll just also indicate that uh, these are our outputs and attacks. 
this, our scientific outputs and finances, the part that we got very religiously is the balance between our current assets and current liabilities. If you look at the reds, current assets, and the pink liabilities, what it says is that Mintech can pay salaries for the next eight months if nothing happens. We don't generate any income at all. Also, uh, we are projecting to stay above uh, negative in terms of uh, profits. Our biggest uh, expenditure is staff costs, and we'll maintain that. We plan to go back to receiving unqualified clean audit. We, from 2019, we moved from GAP to GRAP accounting standard. Uh, we had to put a lot of uh, system and process in place and training our employees, and we believe that we are turning the corner. Chair, I'll take just a minute to say thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, we will then ask uh, Sanedi to do the presentation. Yeah, thank you, uh, Acting DG. And good evening to the Honorable Chair and the PPC members as well uh, and colleagues. Um, Ms. Manamela will be taking us through uh, the presentation. But before I hand over to her, let me just introduce myself. My name is Stylo Tulu. Uh, I'm the board chair for Sanedi, uh, and chair, if you may just allow me uh, to make some few opening remarks, I think in the context of the APP that we're presenting today. Uh, chair, the, the board was appointed uh, early January, I think mid-January, somewhere there, and I must say, Chair, that there were three, I think, important matters uh, that the board okay. has okay. Yes, yes, Chair. Your face is not low, Chair. Oh, <laughs> let me do that, Chair. Is it better now, Chair? Thank you. Now you can then continue even if you so at least we can relate the face to the name. To the name even and if the you voice. Can switch off, if you can switch off, at least let's just see the face. Thanks a lot, Chair. Apologies for that. Um, so, Chair, I think there were three matters that I would like to highlight. I think the, the, the first one, of course, was the review of the APP, which was true for submission, I think, end of January. Uh, so we had to just make sure that as a board, we satisfy ourselves. So that was the first matter that we had to consider. Uh, the second one was obviously, I think, the appointment of the permanent CEO um, within you know, uh, Sanedi. Uh, and I think the third matter was uh, obviously to set up uh, you know, the, the governance uh, in terms of the board subcommittees and making sure that there's proper oversight. So, Chair, I'm, I'm really happy to, um, uh, to report that in terms of the APP, the board had to request for an extension um, uh, from the department to submit by you know, the end of February. That then allowed us to engage with the executives uh, in terms of the process that they had undertaken in putting together the, the draft APP. Uh, we also then uh, held a board workshop as a board just to make sure that we ensure there's an alignment in terms of strategy, uh, but also uh, to make sure that uh, in terms of the SWAT and all the other you know, elements that talks to the strategy, uh, which obviously informs the APP, 
uh, obviously make sure that they are aligned in, the, in terms of what we're submitting today. I think thirdly was also to bring in some of the assurance providers in terms of the internal audit, just to make sure that whatever that had been put in place and the board had actually gone through uh, made a lot of sense. Uh, so I'm happy, Chair, to say that um, although we started in, in January, but I think we feel as a board that we've sufficiently engaged with the APP uh, and we're happy to recommend it to this committee. I think, Chair, on the second point of the issue of the, uh, the CEO, I'm also happy to report that uh, we have advertised the position. Uh, we've also um, conducted uh, the interviews in terms of the interview panel, and soon we'll be uh, making a submission to the uh, to the minister in terms of the recommended candidate. So I think we're proud that we've turned around in a very short space of time in that particular era as we need to stabilize the organization. Uh, probably on that note, let me also just thank as well Ms. Manamena for holding the fort. Um, while obviously this search is, is going on, I think she's been doing the sterling work uh, in that particular area. And then lastly, uh, Chair, in terms of the, the governance issues, I'm also happy to say that we have now established oversight committees, including the, the audit committee as well. So the committee can rest assured that uh, we will obviously make sure that the implementation of the APP, uh, we exercise good oversight. Without waste of time, Chair, let me then hand over to uh, Ms. Manamela to take us through uh, the presentation. Over to you, Ms. Manamela. Uh, thank you very much, Chair, um, and um, a good evening to the honourable members of the Portfolio Committee, uh, the DDG of the DG of the Department, uh, the chairpersons of the SOEs represented on the call, and um, the CEOs. Uh, that are on the call as well in management of the department and of the SOEs. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to take you through the, the APP and I'm just going to focus on the strategic focus of the organization. I'm also going to just uh, delve into the APP, looking at what will be our outputs uh, for the year as well. And then I'll also touch on the finances of the organization. Um, so in terms of our strategic focus, uh, obviously Sanedi exists um, by an act of government and we are directed um, by the law to ensure that we direct, monitor, and conduct energy research and development. Um, so what I would like to just highlight uh, to the committee is that in terms of our strategy, what we've made sure of um, in putting together our strategies to make sure that our strategies aligned with the national priorities. Um, we have the national development plan goals, which are essentially, I think, what all of us are working towards, making sure that the vision that is outlined in the national development plan is achieved. We also made sure that we are aligned in terms of the reconstruction and recovery plans uh, that have been put forward and also uh, to the national priorities, like I said, of, of, of government. And at the ultimate goal, ours is to make sure that at the end of the day, you know, once we have uh, supported the transformation of the sector, that do we still end up with a, um, a sector or maybe end up as a country being very energy secure, that having energy, uh, universal energy access, and then also having a resilient and a resource efficient um, society. 
Now, obviously, um, in terms of our strategic focus, what was key to us is to take into consideration the challenges that we are facing as a country. Right now, we have a number of challenges that are really, um, I think, fighting for our attention or also needing to be addressed. But then we also need to prioritize in terms of which challenges do we look at and which challenges perhaps do we leave for a later date, striking that balance between being responsive to um, the challenges that we're facing at hand and also whatever resources that we have available in terms of tackling those issues. I don't have to tell anybody about load shedding. I think we are all experiencing um, the load shedding. If you are not in load shedding now, you know in about two hours time, most likely you will be or sometime later on in the near future. But there's also issues of dealing with the transition. There's issues around capacity and skills as we introduce new technologies that as the disruption happens, you know, we need those um, skills that will be taking us through. We know we're dealing with challenges around maintenance, especially at the municipalities. You know, how do we deal with the aging infrastructure as well that we have also at the municipalities? Issues, issues around the municipal debt that are actually resulting us in us not being able um, one or resulting from our inability to collect the actual revenue and also not being able to pay it forward to ESCOM and that in itself creating some, some challenges as well. We're dealing with also other social issues around youth unemployment. Uh, how do we create or support the creation of an economy whereby we have a reliable, sustainable um, source of energy that can also be used um, to create the jobs that are, my, um, are needed by the society, issues around rising costs. So there's a number of issues um, that we are dealing with. And in terms of our strategy, we are also trying to make sure that we cover some of these issues. Now, I'll just touch on the strategic themes, um, that if you go through our strategic document, the five-year strategy that you would pick up, and that is actually being the driver, or is the driver in terms of the work that we will be doing as Sanedi. Um, over the next coming years. The first one is dealing with the issue around the climate emergency. Uh, as we are all aware, that climate change is a, a reality. And I think we just recently just experienced exactly how severe the impacts of uh, climate change can be. So we really need to look at how do we make sure that we decarbonize the economy and what are the technologies that we have available and how can we use those technologies to ensure that we decarbonize, obviously making sure that we strike that balance of you know, making sure that as we transition, that we don't leave anybody behind, we don't negatively impact on the economy, we don't negatively impact on jobs and all also the communities um, that will be hit by the transformation of our energy sector. Now, in terms of urbanization, urbanization is an issue that we also need to look at from um, an energy supply perspective, because then that in itself is bringing across new challenges in terms of how do we deliver services to people. Now, previously, we used to have challenges where um, energy poverty or access was an issue, especially in remote locations. But now you're no longer dealing with energy poverty being an issue where people are, are outside of um, you know, urban centers, but you're actually looking at issues where people are without um, energy resources, but still being within where the infrastructure is available to them. And that's also because of this, this huge migration that we're seeing into cities by people obviously looking for economic opportunities. The issues around municipal civic delivery is key because also, yes, it speaks to the issues of 
on how you're dealing with the impact of urbanization on your infrastructure and your ability to deliver services, but also it's talking to your your infrastructure itself. I've always may I've already mentioned the issues around um, you know aging infrastructure, issues around maintenance, uh, and also issues around the revenue collection, which are impacting on our ability to deliver some of the services. Because in certain instances, the infrastructure is just not good enough. Um, there's quite a lot of breakdowns, and then in certain instances, we're just not collecting enough revenue to be able to actually afford to actually supply the service that people actually need. Um, the other issue that we really are looking into as well is the issue around convergence, the issue around the ICT now coming in, being an enabler for us to actually deliver services. Um, so we need to look at how do we use um, the developments within ICT to actually help us in terms of delivering energy services and also improving efficiencies within um, the energy sector. Uh, okay. All right, so now getting into the annual performance plan, uh, we have three programs within the organization. The first one being administration. The second one is looking more at energy research development and also innovation. And the program three is looking at energy efficiency. And then both program two and both program th and three are modeled uh, around um, what is in the Energy Act in terms of the mandate of the organization. Um, overall, we're looking at about 32 um, targets that we'll be hoping, um, not hoping, but aiming to achieve um, for the current financial year. Just looking at the administration program, uh, what we are looking at here is just creating a conducive environment within which we can actually then be able to then implement uh, what the mandate of the organization is. And historically, we have not really had challenges as far as uh, um, you know, if creating that um, environment, safety delivery environment within the organization. And we've been able to um, achieve, um, you know, unqualified audits and so forth and keep the governance going as well. Um, manage our risk effectively, uh, proper IT controls and so forth. So we are happy that we will be able to continue to do this. Uh, also, we've made sure that we are you know, well capacitated as an organization so that we can have the right skills, the mix of skills that we need to deliver on our mandate. Now, moving on to the program, the two programs, two and three, which are the pro core programs of the organization. Now, obviously, looking at the five-year horizon, there are certain strategic outputs that we have sort of uh, put forward in our strategy to say these are the strategic outputs from program two and program three or from our core mandate that we would like to see having been achieved by the organization at the end of our five-year strategy. Um, so the first one will be the development uh, or the piloting of a smart grid systems. And if you take that in line with what we're trying to do with the smart cities, then that becomes quite critical. And also with the involvement of your renewables within the grid. So you need to have a, a very smart grid. Um, the demonstration of greenhouse gas emission potential, um, linking it back to the decarbonization objective that we have, as or the goal that we have as a country, as part of the global community. So our we want to ensure that at the end of the day, with all the work that we have done, we have demonstrated the potential that is there within the various technologies to actually mitigate against the greenhouse gas emissions. Evidence-based planning critical because of now, like I said, we I think we're all grappling with the scenario where we have a limited resources, 
but then we also need to make sure that we achieve the maximum amount of impact. So in, 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 if we can provide information and resources and data that will enable energy um, decisions that are based on evidence, I think that we would have achieved our goal for this particular strategic plan. And then also we want to make sure that as we bring in the um, technologies that will then be transforming the sector, some will be disrupting the tech, the sector, but we also have the skills to go along with that particular disruption and also min minimizing the impact um, of that transition. And um, this slide, what, it, what we hope to communicate is just in terms of our annual performance plan, exactly what are the different focus areas um, of this particular um, plan, obviously linking it back to the um, the theme, themes, the four themes that I spoke about earlier. Now we have skills interventions that we will be doing in this, in this plan and that amounts to about 4% of our activities. And knowledge sharing and awareness, which is critical because if you're going to talk about the transition, how to transition, when to transition, it's important that create awareness in terms of you know, what technologies are available, what skills are available or not available so that then people can start engaging and knowing exactly how to plan accordingly in terms of the information, from the information that you've made available. Uh, demonstrations and pilots, they are about 9%. So we have different technologies. There are some are at different stages uh, in terms of readiness. Now you need to pilot and demonstrate to say whether or not, you know, can we utilize these technologies in South Africa? Will we get the results? And then therefore you then be going back again and communicating with the broader stakeholders around the work that you've done and the research and the outcomes of the particular uh, demonstrations and pilots, research reports. Research reports will cover a number of, 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 of topics where whether it be energy efficiency or whether it be issues around um, uh, specific technologies that perhaps you'd like to pilot or you have piloted um, that you maybe want to uh, share that particular information with the stakeholders. Data sets that we plan on developing about 9% of um, our plan and it's data sets around, um, for example, we do have data sets around solar thermal. Uh, we have data sets around wind, uh, wind data that we make available to the masses. Um, and then we have energy efficiency interventions, which is about 28% of our plan. Uh, we know that um, you know, energy efficiency, um, it's called the first fuel. So if you can do all of these other initiatives, but then are not resource efficient, then basically are counterproductive. So we need to make sure that as a first, um, as a starting point, that our systems are energy efficient. So there's about 28% of the plan. Uh, research funding support. So we provide um, research funding to people wanting to conduct certain research work, and then also to students. And um, that amounts to about 11% of the plan technology roadmaps. So there's a number of technology roadmaps that we plan to develop and some that we plan to update. And that will be about 6% of our current plan. And then energy status reports, which are important because you need to know exactly where you are, you know, you know, relative as well to the international community, relative as well to where you want to go so that you can be able to make the right decisions and plan accordingly. And this is information that is not only relevant to government, but various stakeholders um, within the energy sector. And then in terms of energy performance standards, uh, that's about 2% of our plan. And then if you just look at the, at the graph that is also on this particular slide, that is just to highlight 
that in terms of our research and the work that we do, we're not only looking at one technology, but we're trying to look at a number of technologies because it's important that we investigate the probability or the possibilities of, of in, um, including uh, many more of these technologies within our energy mix. And that will link back to our ability to make sure that we are secure, energy secure, and also that we can provide access to energy services. Now, in terms of impact areas, I think uh, we've had a number of presenters before me talking about the just energy transition. And I think we're all aware of um, the need to transition, the need to decarbonize. decarbonize. So there is a number of uh, projects or research projects that we are planning on doing uh, for the year. And um, I'll just highlight a few. I will not go through the whole slide. I think it's just quite a list of reports. I'll just take it as, as read. Um, the, the WASA phase four, uh, we're still looking at wind, but we're now looking more inland in terms of the potential, in terms of having... Sorry, uh, let, let me give yes, you your summary of uh, three minutes, please. All right. Um, okay. So so I'll just say the high-level areas where we'd like to make an impact as well is just on the end, just in each transition. So, you know, we need to transition. Um, and then I'll just skip that part. And then also energy planning and decision-making where we are working very closely with the department just to make sure that we are aligned in terms of priorities and we're having a number of workshops in terms of the areas that we will prioritize for this year. There's a number of, of areas already that have been agreed upon and those are the ones that we will be um, pushing for the year ahead. And then the hydrogen economy, very important, uh, especially if we're looking at the transition. I think there's always, um, they've spoken about the minerals that are available. Very good for South Africa if you can get involved in the hydrogen economy, especially with the minerals that are being available. And then energy efficiency, I've already touched on to say that is very key. I'll just go through the budget summary quickly. Uh, in terms of the budget that we are working with for the year will be 125 million, 65% coming from the MTF allocation, 35% from other sources. There is some funding that will be coming through from the EU that we've been able to raise. I think ours, because of we know that the funding from government is very limited, so we try and always make sure that we look for other opportunities from climate funds that are available so that we can fund the rest of our strategy. And in terms of our APP that we're presenting to you today, we are happy that it's adequately funded. In terms of the balance, in terms of the program, the expenditure, 60% uh, of our budget is actually going to core programs and 40% to administration. 36% of our budget, actually expenditure budget goes to human capital uh, costs. And then 64% of that is actually goods and services. And just in closing, Chair, uh, we will be celebrating 10 years of Sanini's existence this year, the 19th of July. It was also celebrating the significant contribution that Sanini has made to the country and we hope to continue to make uh, the significant impact in our um, economy as we're dealing with all these new challenges um, that, you know, within the energy sector that we also need to make sure that we're providing solutions to. Um, and um, we hope that in the next 10 years of our existence, we'll look back and able to say this is the impact again that Sanity has made to the energy sector. So with that, Chair, I will stop there. Thank you. Honorable Chairperson, uh, these are all our presentations. And then we will then hand over to you. Thank you. Okay, thank you, uh, 
CGS, Mintech, and uh, Sanedi. Uh, you can see we work very hard even uh, in darkness. It's completely dark. I'm sure you can't even see me. And even if I can open the video. Uh, um, I note that I got the message. Many members are affected by uh, this load shedding, and mostly it's six o'clock um, and um, to eight in most of the areas. In fact, some up to half past eight. Um, you haven't got the report. Are there? Maybe we may have uh, an advantage and a disadvantage of having uh, interacted with um, uh, CGS and MinTech on our um, visit for the asset mine drainage drainage program. Um, uh, yeah, uh, can I? Are there any questions of clarity, honourable members? I see the hand of honourable Lorema. Uh, the hand of Honorable Mailem, the hand of Honorable Malinga. Is there any other hand? Okay. Uh, I will give the Honorable Lorima, Honorable Mailem, and then Honorable Malinga. Thanks, Chair. I'm going to ask uh, questions uh, to CGS oh. and Nantec. Yeah. Good. All of them. Yeah, those are the two that I want to ask questions about. Um, I'm going to start with CGS. Um, firstly, oh, look, I mean, just in general, fascinating projects um, that are going on here. Um, when do you expect to see tangible results from the Karoo deep drilling? Um, you said that you're expecting a technical report. When do you expect it? Do you expect it this year? If so, when this year? And once that technical report is revealed, what's the next step? Um, the second is a question about um, your financials. You've got personnel costs over the next uh, three years um, increasing about 8% a year. So does this mean that you take on more people? If so, who and for what and when? Um, and if it's not taking on more people, is this a rather healthy annual salary increase for your current staff? Uh, moving on to Mintech, um, very interesting presentation again, um, nice and upbeat, but I just want to caution that um, whenever you say you're earning a profit, um, it's only a profit because you're getting a whacking big subsidy from government. Um, and this is, of, uh, this is my biggest concern with Mintech, is that from 2017, um, things suddenly worsened in terms of the commercial revenue. And uh, that was before all the current crises. So could you give us a, an explanation perhaps on what happened around that time to, to, to um, decrease the amount of commercial income that you're making? Um, then also with Mintech, the rare earth elements has been talked about since I started on this portfolio in 2012, but it never seems to take any kind of major move forward. There's been talk for a long time about a smelter, What's the prospect for that? Um, you say you're going to be meeting some people at uh, mining in Darba. It just sounds to me like this program is stalled. Um, so how realistic are hopes that we're actually going to take a next step? And what is that next step? Mr. Chair, I'll leave it there. Thank you. 
thank you, Chairperson. Um, I'm going to to address my, my comments to Mintech first of all, and then to Sanedi. Um, and I'm going to ask the same comment or the same question that I've asked every time we've we've seen Mintech starting when I first started on the portfolio three years ago. And that is, what is happening with the commercialization of the various research projects that you have spoken about? Um, I raised the issue with with the board then and the the, the CEO that uh, there was an urgent need for a commercialization manager to take the ideas that are developed at Mintech and to to make them uh, viable for business and 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 to get them out into the commercial market and 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 really start generating revenue from them. And it follows on to what. Honorable Lorimer was talking about, um, and then to Sanedi, I, I got to admit I'm I'm at a little bit of a loss with Sanedi, um, and I'll tell you why. Um, so I spent some time going through the Sanedi website, and uh, I don't see a lot of original work in what Sanedi is doing. I see a lot of links to other people's websites, a lot of links to other organizations and things like that. But I don't see reports. You, you've, got as, you've got as your 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 targets for the year, so many reports and so many uh, this and so many that. And um, I, I just can't find these documents anywhere. So so what's happening to them? Where, where are they? What are they? What's being done with them? Um, and, and that then brings us to to the actual presentation that we, we received from Sanedi. Um, if I go to slide eight, okay, which are your core programs two and three. First of all, I have no idea whatsoever what that graph is meant to represent. I don't know what it tells us. It doesn't have any kind of, um, is that the number of targets you've achieved? Is What is that? Um, and then, if we go to the next slide, your planned initiatives, this is where I was saying, okay, so you've got energy status reports. How do I access those? How do I see what it is that your outputs are? Um, where, where are these energy efficiency interventions? What are the outcomes of that? What are you doing with the work that you do? Where are the these standards that you, you're talking about, the energy performance standards? How do I how do I see that that's being implemented? I'll give you I'll give you an example of, of, of a, a really tangible one that that I think is actually quite good. Um, is on uh, slide twelve in the in the pack that we were sent um, under under the heading smart grids. You've got the development of an asset management policy strategy and governance framework for municipalities. I think that's an excellent idea. I think that's brilliant. But where is it? And, and, and how are you taking it from concept to actually getting implemented in those municipalities? What, what's taking it that next step? So I realize that that's a planned activity and it's what you want to do for this coming financial year. But I, I don't think it stops with the development. There's, there's, there's the, the tangible next step to, to actually taking it out and getting it implemented in the marketplace. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chairperson. Greetings. Good evening, everybody on the platform. Um, uh, let me not dwell on greetings because surprisingly so, Chairperson, everybody, when we are being loaded, remembers that municipalities uh, owes ESCO. <laughs> 
it's, it's so it's so it's so funny. Um, Chair, uh, let me welcome all the presentations by Min, uh, CGS, Mintech, and Samedi, and shoot straight to CGS. Chairperson, on their slide that is linked between the budget and strategic programs, I think on program five, which is the delivery of the mandate, uh, is where it's responsible for the largest share of the allocated budget. The outputs on program five rely on maps and reports, Chair. What happens with the maps and reports once produced? And how are these maps and reports going to help improve poverty and unemployment in the country? Chairperson, on their annual plan 22-23, CGS admits on numerous occasions that diversifying and exploring minerals, mineral and energy resources require access to land, which is currently a serious challenge in our country. If CGS, believe, if CGS wishes to resolve access to land issues to fulfill its mandates, why is this not added on their, uh, as their indicator on the annual performance plan? Chairperson also on DMRE APP master document indicates that the CGS implement the water ingress project, but the presentation by CGS is not clear how, how much of the budget is being allocated to machine learning techniques to map groundwater resources and when will these techniques be piloted to other areas, provinces outside Maluti Apufing that experience water challenges. Chair, uh, my notes, yeah, I can't see now. Chairperson on Mintech, um, Dr. Mtuku always uh, in, it tells the committee that he, they need people with PhDs and all that and all that to get their work done and efficient and qualitative work done. In the present, on the presentation chair, I heard that he, they have uh, partnered with the DMRE to train 20 women in mining. Shouldn't they have maybe on that program, maybe prioritized to have people or take people with PhDs to school in order for them to achieve what he's saying they are lacking as an, as an entity. Because I know that the Department of Higher Education and Learning, once you do your master's, your, your PhDs, they, they pay for you. Uh, at last I checked, it was like that chair. So wh why would they go and train minors? Not that I'm against women being trained. I am for women, you know, chair. But for them to achieve or to be at par with their, with their counterparts, because he, he also said they have staff at a level of 55%, whereas their counterparts are at between 15 and 35%. Wouldn't it have, it have made sense, this partnership with DMRE, to train more of their PhD uh, 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 people so that their work is, 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 is made more easily? Chairperson, uh, let, let, uh, I only have one question for Samit. Uh, of which number I am as confused as honorable Mayden, but what does what are they celebrating with the 10 years, isn't it? 
because I, I don't hear anything. There is a slide when um, the, the presenter was finalizing, talking about uh, funding. There, there's, there's EU funding. I just want to get clarity, Chair, are, are there on any conditions on that, on that funding so that we don't sell the sovereignty of the country to, to the uh, European countries? Thank you very much, Chair. Look, I don't want to, to go into, into, into details on some of these issues, but uh, I think, uh, uh, again, let me make this apology. I might have made an oversight on this thing. Can I request, uh, before we finish, Mr. Mabada, on the few especially that um, are left, because I think we must have a better summer. Um, just a consolidated summer of the, a comparative exercise of the presentation by the entities to that one of the, the main which is the report of the of the department, um, so that we can have a sense of synergy. Um, we call it cooperative governance if it's different um, layers or, or levels of 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 governance. Um, I think what members some were raising here are issues that uh, we may have to revisit them even beyond the this process. I, I always feel that uh, the way at times we handle <clears throat> this process of uh, APPs and, um, and, and budgets, uh, it's, uh, it's, maybe it has been traditional. I think we need to know for our own role, responsibility and duty, we need to know each and every cent where it is directed, whether it is directed really to the cause or whether what is being presented is really what it's supposed to be a priority. Thirdly, whether what is presented, it is something that will add value for money. For an example, I think somewhere down the line, and, and it may not necessarily fall on the department, somewhere on the line, some of the activities, which to me can even be what I would call internal exchange or trade, amongst the state itself. I have never, I hear the um, things like your investment conferences, uh, the, now we've got the mining in Daba, there are many of these activities. I think the point that members have been raising, even now when you look at Mintech, Sanedi, and, um, and, and, and CGS, you get the sense that uh, I'm sure when you go to entities like Nexa, that could even include yourself. <laughs> I'm not sure I might be wrong whether government has made a consideration of having either a chief marketing officer or something to that effect. Someone who is responsible to ensure that what the state produces 
provide the required results. For an example, the point that even Honorable Malinga is raising now, in as much as you may get an answer, I don't think it's a uniformic system. How do we deal with issues of uh, international trade uh, on the on the uh, 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 by our own entities? What guides? What what is the policy guide or direction? But uh, it's okay. Can I give you uh, through you, Mamukamete, uh, the entities to respond? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Chairperson. I will ask uh, uh, Mintek to respond. And then after that, it will be uh, Mintek, and thereafter will be Sanedi. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Chair. Uh, let me start with. Uh, the question from uh, Honorable uh, Lorem. <laughs> uh, thanks for the observation of 2017, what happened there. Maybe let me start by saying, uh, even though the graph reflects uh, dependence on state funding, we only received 250 million as a state grant. The rest, we have to earn it from competitive processes. The 340 million that we need over and above the 250, either we apply to national treasury or to DST, if it is government, or to industry to end that, it's not given to us. So that part, we are reflecting that uh, over and above the 250 million we received from the state, we still go to DST and earn it through some programs like our hydrogen and fuel cell program, which is fully funded by DST, but it's not part of our state grant. We count it as public sector income. We still go to technology innovation agency through a competitive process we still go and bid to National Treasury under MTEF to earn those funds. But also we go to industry to earn more than 150 million. We still go internationally, either Horizon 2020 to earn millions. If you look at just our products that we sell internationally, that income is over 100 million. So, the concern for us is locally, mining and mineral industry is not supporting or funding research. Actually, they've decommissioned their research programs locally, and they fund that internationally. It's a major concern for us. So it's something that we are paying attention to. And we are raising then an important point of this rare earth element story that has been around for years is a concern to all of us. Uh, there are two parts to it. Uh, we might have been ahead to start saying South Africa, look at rare earth elements. There was no traction locally about having this open conversation of what rare earth elements 
mean for the country. Let's, let's be honest about it. Other countries, they've moved ahead. China, the US, they've moved ahead. The problem that we are facing in the country is not the technologies that were developed by Mintech to treat and to produce rare earth elements. The problem that we are facing is that nobody is producing rare earth elements in the country. You start with Stenskam Skral, Glenova, you mentioned them, nobody is producing rare earth elements in the country. And that's a, a, a concern for us. What they said before is that even if they can produce rare earth elements, it, there's no guarantee that we'll be able to treat them, to process them. Mentech has de-risked that. And say if they can be treated, Mentech develop a technology to treat the different ore bodies or, or, or rare earth elements from different sources, South Africa, SADC, that should not be an issue anymore. And many people are saying, yes, the U.S. is looking at uh, sources outside of China. It's more pressing, pressing now. It, it makes business sense now for many countries to look outside China. Maybe they were not ready a few years ago, but we'll take it that uh, there's a push. We were approached by the U.S. Uh, uh, embassy. They came to Mintech to say, we're ready. Even the plan that you're talking about, we can fund it. That was not the case five years, 10 years ago. The dominance of China was not felt in a manner that many people are feeling it now. Then it was all about electronics. It's more than electronics, it's about renewables, it's about energy. So what we're saying for us, the time is right for us to make sure that we can move a needle. I share the same sentiment, Lorima, it has taken us too long as a country. And I'm saying that in front of my colleagues from the department that also this should be treated as a strategic program more than a program driven by an entity. That's our plea. Honorable Milam, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to you because uh, this is a question that you raise all the time, commercialization of our ideas, and we share the sentiment. Let me be honest with you and say, Mintech did not have the capacity to commercialize its research outputs. It's a statement that I'll put it out there. First, what we did, we established Mintech Office of Technology Transfer, and we employed specialists in the area to help us to move our ideas from concepts to commercialization ideas. This was done several years ago by many entities, even universities. It's shocking that Mintech did not embrace that. We have done that. It's a water under the broth, water under the bridge. We have moved. Mintech is building capacity on business development and commercialization. That's first. Secondly, uh, probably you have heard us talk about uh, test kits for many, many years, probably 10 years. We made progress. We said we cannot rely on the same scientists who bring ideas 
and we burden them also to develop products and commercialize. To that effect, we went out and hired people in the space. We started to build capacity. We went to uh, health companies, pharmaceutical companies, and recruited one of the best in the country, Ms. Karen Kruger, to come and help and head our commercialization efforts on uh, test kits and related uh, health products. And to that effect, I'm happy to announce that uh, it took us less than six months to sign a contract with a company in, in Cape Town to fast track our test kit developments. When you pay us a visit next time, we'll give you a working prototype on COVID test kits, HIV test kits already. In fact, we're ready to share that with the portfolio committee. Then we have 18 products that we bought the IP, what we call the we buy dossiers that are readily available that uh, we are commercializing through. Uh, 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 we're not going to be building capacity tech to manufacture. We'll do contract manufacturing. That will be in place before the end of the year. So we've taken a different approach to rely on scientists to commercialize, to say we'll hire people who have done it before to come and do it at Mintech, which, which is a departure to how we traditionally handled commercialization at Mintech. So, uh, Honorable Mailem, uh, 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 I, I share your concern, but uh, I'll be saying before the end of the year, we will be there in the market with our products. That's a commitment from us. Uh, Honorable Malinga, a PhD, sometimes I don't know what to say because uh, what we hear is that Mentech, uh, all they want is just PhDs, PhDs, which is not true. To do research, you need a higher qualification. Minimum is a master's. But when we train women in mining, we don't need PhDs to do that. We have people who are highly qualified to train on mining-related issues, which is not a research on research, definitely we need PhDs. On a non-research project, we use relevant, highly qualified people to do that, who have the requisite experience and qualifications to do that. And the requirements is not a PhD to do that. Uh, we, 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 we do a lot of things. In addition to Mining, we do training on jewelry, we do training on all skills related activities, which are not necessarily research, and that we don't deploy uh, our PhDs to do that. So it's an area that, from our side, we're improving the quality of our offering to make sure that at the end of the program, the individuals that we've trained, actually, they are able to execute. And most importantly, because some of them, they want to participate commercially in mine activities. So we empower them to do that. Thanks, sir. Thank you, Honorable Mailem. Uh, is it my turn, uh, TG? 
Council for Geoscience. TG. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Mabuza. Yes, I think it's your turn. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, TG. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, members. Uh, <clears throat> Honorable Lorimer, um, what we were demonstrating was precisely the point uh, that South Africa is far from being a sunset mining industry. To the contrary, it is right uh, at the beginning of its renewed life cycle. And this is the value that geoscience is bringing in terms of uh, how we are studying these projects and packaging them uh, and, um, and, and bringing them forward as the value proposition for investment in the exploration, primarily in support of the minister's um, recently released uh, exploration strategy, as it were. So on, on our side, uh, once that work is done, and uh, we will have a staggered, uh, uh, a, so we have a, a pipeline of projects that go through the proverbial war room. So we have this war room of geology where we just look at the geoscience of the country and identify uh, possibilities. And we have a long list uh, of a pipeline of project. And as information evolves, we then develop an apex of priorities uh, so that we can then demonstrate uh, the, the value. Now, uh, once this, uh, this, this information is concluded in the same way that we have now published the pegmatite map, uh, which uh, I'm hoping will, uh, will, will take it to the mining in Daba as well. Uh, the next step is precisely that, to make that information available. Uh, so, so that uh, those who are in the exploration space uh, can then look at this information um, and uh, look at how they can best utilize it uh, to inform their, their investment decisions. Uh, of course, uh, we are also uh, looking at a, uh, using the first mover advantage principle uh, to the extent that uh, uh, there, there would be opportunities that we explore uh, to partner under certain strict uh, conditions that will not uh, undermine the mandate, the legislative mandate uh, in the exploration phase uh, to to a certain point, and that is the part that we are uh, that we are still delineating uh, internally. So uh, when we undertook the strategic reorientation uh, of the organization and began uh, to realize how much uh, we have, uh, uh, that how much we still need to catch up and 
the balance between uh, the expertise that we have, uh, the young people that are in the pipeline that are coming in, uh, as well as some of the very specialized skills uh, that we will require to deliver this project. Uh, we, we, we had to look at uh, uh, growing the organization by about 10%, uh, 8 to 10% in the next uh, three years, uh, with particular focus of uh, recruiting specialized uh, uh, skills that we may not have in, in the Council for Geoscience. For instance, uh, you would know that we, we, we have not been an exploring country uh, in, the, in the recent decades. And we have not been looking at our geology and packaging it in a way that uh, it begins to talk to the exploration community as our competing uh, jurisdictions uh, do do. Uh, we, we are great experts in doing the geology uh, generally, and the extent to which we can take this uh, geological output and package it uh, in a way that will resonate uh, uh, with the uh, with the with the investment exploration investment community uh, is an area that we have found uh, that we need to strengthen. It is there, but it is limited, uh, and so. Those are just uh, uh, some of the very specialized areas that, uh, that, that we would be looking at. And we thought that a growth of uh, 8 to 10% to achieve that objective uh, is, is a reasonable growth in the, in the personnel uh, cost. Uh, uh, on, Honorable Malinga, um, I think as, as I was indicating with the pegmatite map, so what is the value of a map? Is it just a paper with colors uh, that are there? Uh, the true value of a map is that, uh, let me start with the pegmatite belt, is that uh, until now, not many South Africans thought uh, that there is rare earth elements in this country. Uh, we take the geology program uh, we get them on the ground to do the, the mapping after having looked at what we have and map it in a particular way so that it can unravel the details that are required uh, in order to get to a certain point where critical decisions are made. And that is the real value of a map, is when a map can re- uh, inform and redirect a decision to invest in South Africa because the Council of Geoscience has contributed in mapping and making that map available. What is the value of a map again? It is when uh, the geological information has been used to identify a highly susceptible area for landslide and if a municipality was thinking about putting a township in a particular area, they have gone and looked at that map and they made the decision that this is not a proper area to put people. That becomes the value of the map. 
What is the value of a map? Is when a map has identified groundwater potential in areas where there's water scarcity and there are people that are living in that area uh, in the same way that uh, Cape Town was facing, the Western Cape in general uh, was facing a zero, um, uh, a day zero water supply only a couple of years ago. Uh, to the extent that a geological map can be used to augment the supply of water when such a, poten a potential humanitarian crisis faces us, that becomes the value of a map. Uh, and I could go on and on, but I hope uh, that Honorable Malinga, you can appreciate that these maps are fundamental products that are very critical in decisions that we make uh, as a nation, developmental uh, decisions that we make. A, a, an investment and a value that cannot be ignored uh, by, by any imagination. Uh, uh, Honorable Malinga, on access to land, uh, what, what we have done, and, and part of the reason you are not seeing it in our IPP, is that we invest uh, quite a, 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 a large chunk of our resources in stakeholder engagement programs. So we have developed a dedicated uh, stakeholder uh, function within the CGS. And, uh, uh, and up till now, uh, it's a program that I, I have dedicated a lot of my time uh, in establishing and directing uh, so that our stakeholders uh, can appreciate the, the research, the geoscience research that we do. Part of the reason I was acknowledging uh, the people of Mpumalang, it's not that we came there and we wanted access to land and we got it. Uh, it's because before we went there, we dedicated and invested a lot of time in interacting with various stakeholders from the administration of the province uh, at the provincial level, district municipality, local municipality, farming community, uh, NGOs, uh, businesses in the area, ordinary citizens, and so on and so forth. And we have found that the stakeholder engagement program does secure uh, uh, us the necessary access to deploy our strategy. So if we have found a solution to it, uh, we didn't think it would be necessary for us uh, to continue illuminating uh, that problem, as it were. South Africans uh, across the length and breadth of our land uh, have increasingly been absolutely supportive of the Council for Geoscience and the work that it does uh, in the various areas. And we do not go there and make promises uh, that are undue. We indicate that we are doing the science. Uh, we are a state-owned entity. We are not a private business. Uh, we, uh, we have a popular phrase where we say, in science, we don't know what we don't know. And uh, often negative results, uh, we consider them to be what we call a technical success. Uh, uh, I, I hope that addresses uh, the, 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 the concern. 
Uh, Honorable Malinga on applications of artificial intelligence. Uh, Malu Tiapofung is just an example of where we piloted uh, the applications of artificial intelligence. We use that across uh, uh, in all our projects. Uh, we have developed uh, artificial intelligence tools uh, to identify mineral targets. Uh, of course, uh, the tool is exactly that. Uh, it's a tool, uh, but it streamlines uh, the huge data sets that we have uh, and produces some uh, products that are artificial intelligence based. And we sit as the team and go through an iterative process of confirming uh, those uh, artificial intelligence projects. Uh, if we have created an impression that we've only applied uh, this tool in Malutia Pofung, uh, then we have made a big mistake. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's got general applications. Uh, we have just used Malutia Pofung as an example of the applications uh, of uh, artificial intelligence in the context of 4IR and how geoscience for innovation thematic area is already in place in all that we do do uh, in, in, in the Council for Geoscience. Uh, our water ingress project, uh, we had given you quite a, a, a mouthful during the, uh, the oversight visit. Uh, we, we thought that uh, for the purpose of this presentation uh, and given the time that we have, there's so much more that uh, we do do that is uh, not reflected uh, in the presentation on account of the volume and the time that we have. The spectacular work uh, that uh, we, we are doing, not only as the Council for Geoscience, uh, but uh, it is the acid mine uh, drainage program of government in which we participate with the ingress part. You would have seen that uh, uh, Mintech participate in other technical aspects the Department of Water and Sanitation and its entities are participating in other aspects of water increase. For our purposes, uh, we are, uh, I, think, I think that since we started with the water increase uh, uh, program, I can confidently say that we are saving uh, this country in excess of 380 million liters of water uh, per annum. Uh, but those are the figures I just need to verify uh, with, with the team. And so there's, there's, there's incredible progress that has been made uh, with the water ingress uh, uh, project in the context of um, uh, acid mine drainage management uh, in its entirety. Uh, in addition to that, uh, there's passive water treatment uh, project. A pilot is located in Middleburg. Uh, we have been running this pilot. It is at the advanced uh, stages of, uh, of piloting it. And the results are absolutely positive. And uh, would like to invite you at some stage to demonstrate how the plight of clean water uh, in the... Uh, um, Pumalanga coal fields is beginning to be uh, turned around with geoscientific research and intervention. Uh, I, I hope that um, 
uh, that answers the, uh, the 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 questions that you have asked, uh, Honorable Malinga. Uh, Chair, I think uh, yours uh, is is largely at the department uh, level, uh, uh, but certainly uh, the uh, the products that are developed uh, by and large and to a very large extent, uh, we do work uh, with the. A DDG responsible for policy and investment promotion and uh, coordination uh, happens at, at that level, but uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, the department will articulate that far more crisply and elegantly than I can ever imagine. Thank you very much, uh, DG. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Miss, Mr. Mabuza. Can we have Sanedi? Thank you. Um, uh, thanks, DG. Um, the I will start with the question around the graph. I think it's a easier one uh, around the graph information on the slide. Um, my apologies. Um, I just noticed that it doesn't have a heading. That is indicative of the historical performance of the core programs. So that's what that slide was supposed to indicate. I just skipped it during the presentation just to try and manage the time. Uh, and then I will go on to the question around the funding. Um, the EU funding, I think the concern there was around the conditions that are attached to the funding. There are no conditions um, that came with the funding to us. Uh, this is money that is secured um, through the National Treasury secured by the department, through the National Treasury for an Energy Efficiency Project, and it doesn't come with any conditions attached to it. The contract will be signed by the National Treasury, um, and then through us it comes through as an allocation. Um, just to say maybe on the side, the only condition that we have is uh, whatever monies that are not spent by the end of the financial year will then have to be surrendered back to the National Treasury. So that is just on the funding. And then on the question around the smart grids, the, the future project um, that we have there on the smart grids, uh, we, we don't normally do the work that we do in isolation. So the Department of Energy is involved. Um, the department is involved and also would involve other stakeholders such as SALGA and the National Treasury. Then that also helps in terms of making sure that whatever outputs that come out of this research, then is also uh, something that can be taken forward um, for implementation. Um, um, so just, um, just, just to give um, a highlight there, but obviously it's still a feature. It's still a feature research that is going to be done. And we do take the comment that it needs to not just only be a research report, but it needs to end up as being something that is actually aiding implementation and improvement in the, at municipal level. And it's, that's exactly uh, what we would like to see happening. Um, on the question around um, the access to information through our website, I think this issue was raised uh, the last time we were here presenting our annual report and subsequent to that what we did is we have a commissioned um, work around the um, improvement of the website so that it's more user-friendly more interactive and that access to information is made easier so that work is ongoing so we're hoping that uh, the next time that you visit our website then you'll be able to easily um, engage with the website and be able to access 
or all the information that you're looking for from our website. So that project is ongoing. So hopefully in the next two months or so, um, we will then be able to engage with a much better website and get access to that information. Uh, but in the interim, all the information that we have produced is available. And if um, any member would like to have access to that information, then we can just send that information through. Um, but yeah, I think that was all of the questions that were, were raised. Oh yeah, and then also in terms of how is the information shared, uh, usually once the reports are finalized, we will have workshops and seminars. We will invite a number of stakeholders and present uh, this information to the stakeholders and make the research information available as well. So that's usually how we uh, disseminate uh, the information uh, to the stakeholders and also through our website as well. Um, thanks. I think that is everything. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable, Honorable Chairperson. So I think that's the uh, the last report, the, the, re, the responses from our uh, CEOs. Thank you. Chairman, unmute. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm unmuted. Uh, thank you, honorable members. Uh, unfortunately, <coughs> we've got this enemy of the people, all of us called time. Um, but I'm sure, like I said, we have interacted in some task uh, or work that we had assigned, especially the two entities, which is um, which is um, uh, 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 Council for Geoscience and Minter. But let me say this: I know sometimes I always say when we meet as a committee that uh, we exist as a committee we don't we didn't we don't or we didn't establish ourselves we were established by the committee of parliament it understood the relevance of this committee i know sometimes people when things are being raised uh, they tend to be uh, very emotional attached to who or what they are I think the point that members were, were raising is that uh, maybe in our own discussions, but it will help to be guided specifically because in some cases, certain institutions get established because at that time, there is a demand for such. But with new developments that are taking place and uh, processes that uh, continue to emerge, it, it, it does happen at times that uh, you will then have a redetermination of that process. So from time to time, any organization and any strength um, of that organization must always be tested. So when the issues are being raised, is in the same way uh, that uh, matters were raised with regards to 
the three entities under SAF, whether is it, does it make sense to have them in the manner they are? How do we streamline so that uh, they can, there can be a response that is comprehensive on the current challenges? So I think for me, it's, there's no doubt about it, honorable members. From time to time, we need to, and it's not new, to have this engagement, including on how do we locate uh, the issue of the research institution in the form of sanity? Uh, I could see the difficulty when uh, there was a response with regards to the issues that members were raising. I think they were raising it in the context of an improvement that is required from time to time going forward and to relook and review the, the, the approach. Um, on that note, honorable members, we are far outside our allocated time, but let me again appreciate your spirit that uh, you were prepared that uh, after such a long day, started with your committee, you then took a few, break, uh, few minutes of breaks, you went back to the plenary and now you are back here. That, for me, is some degree that demonstrates our commitment to ensure that we serve the nation, we serve the country to the best of our abilities. On that note, let me declare the meeting adjourned for now until further notice. Thank you very much, honorable members. Thank you, Acting DG and your team, uh, including uh, CGS, um, Mintech and uh, and and the Senate. Thank you very much. I won't say what I said somewhere. Uh, I nearly mistaken your uh, the acting uh, CEO of um, Senate with another voice of my committee member who happened not to be in the in the meeting. I would have loved to hear those both of those voices. Maybe it's me. I was mistaken. But on that note, thank you very much. The meeting stands adjourned. Recording stopped. Thank you, Chair. 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 Yep.